This is Contra Radio from Contra.scop. Welcome, dear parishioners, to the Sunday Salmon. Those among you regular to these pews on the Sabbath day will know just how achingly right we called Sturgeon's departure three weeks ago, right down to the detail of the hand-wringing comparisons with Jacinda Ardan, further down to the minute detail of Sturgeon maintaining somewhat more dignity than Ardan, and only hinting at the dark, misogynist conspiracy against her benign rule. Now we ask, who are the runners and riders to replace Sturgeon? with a strong caveat that we do not yet know who is standing, with votes opening in just two weeks. Here are some of the contenders, and you can expect this to be out of date almost as soon as it's been uttered. I had long assumed Angus Robertson was the heir apparent for Sturgeon, at least after the disgrace of former Finance Minister Derek Mackay. Robertson was Westminster leader, is reliably on the right of the party, and has strong international links with the SNP leadership's favourite cosa nostra, whether it be the EU or NATO. He even wrote a shoddy book on Vienna and the famous Congress named for that city, and its establishment of a counter-revolutionary European order in the wake of the French Revolution. Sounds about right. He was in Antigua when Sturgeon declared her resignation, evidence that he wasn't warned in advance, just as when he, and every other leading SNP figure, was caught off guard by Sturgeon's announcement of the de facto ref. Maybe this implies a fall from favour, or maybe it just demonstrates Sturgeon's contempt for collective government. In any case, he's yet to mark himself out as the lead challenger. I cringe to include the sex or race of the candidates in their plus and minus columns, but on the spreadsheet of Scottish public life, these things do matter. Robertson, as a white heterosexual man, scores nil poids. Also, having been close to Sturgeon for so many years, he may find himself in the firing line for his predecessor's failures. How much did he know, for example, about the party finances? What about Hamza Youssef? Younger, handsome and Muslim in what Scotland's liberals would deem an inoffensive way, i.e. he doesn't espouse conservative religious attitudes, Youssef would likely present himself as the centre-left option if he makes it into serious contention. Those left credentials don't amount to much except as differentiation to his potential rivals. Yusuf's minor flaw is that he is widely seen to have mishandled his briefs as minister. What a fly in the ointment. Kate Forbes, on the other hand, has a reputation for competence. And as with many such reputations in political life, competence is a euphemism for right-wing and brutal. Forbes's 2022 budget was almost a parody of Montpellier economic liberalism, with creative destruction through slashing pay, jobs and services seen as an absolute positive. She's already leaking the line that she intends to turn Scotland into a lean, hungry state. Nobody seems to care very much about this, including, or perhaps especially, on the left. Since she was Sturgeon's finance minister, nothing she has done heretofore can be anything but kosher. She's also a young woman. Her last-minute takeover from Mackay, when his communications with a teenage boy were revealed on the very eve of Budget Day, was widely greeted with the patronising corporate feminist refrain that women are good at clearing up the mess made by men. So hearing all that, with no prior knowledge of Forbes, you might think she's a shoo-in. 
but a spectre is haunting Scotland, the spectre of social conservatism. Forbes's youngness and womanness are unfortunately cancelled out by her Calvinism. There's little evidence that Free Church Forbes wants to turn Scotland into Gilead. She is, after all, a careerist in a liberal party in one of the most secular countries on earth. But the very scarcity of social conservatism in Scotland makes it both frightening and exotic in the mind of the liberal. There are many who would love to reimagine political conflict as taking place essentially between the eldritch jipers of some undead Presbyterian ascendancy and a Scooby-Doo gang of irritating counterculturals. Unfortunately for our modern Whigs, liberalism has already defeated its enemy. I know, sad times. You can't just keep fighting defeated enemies all the time. You may eventually have to wake up to the troubling reality of the hegemonically liberal society you live in. The papers speculate that she might dump Sturgeon's gender recognition reforms. I've got news for them. All candidates will be, at least, inching away from GRR. Sturgeon ran away from a contest with the UK government over Section 35. I strongly suspect each of the potential candidates will dream up some way to avoid the issue or park it very far away in some scrubland. If a legal challenge can achieve that, so be it. If not, some rather more shamefaced retreat will be countenanced. In one sense, the issue might even be hardest for Forbes to get away from, to fulsomely repudiate the GRR, Sunak having so impudently blocked it. Enter Ash Reagan, proudly against the GRR and likely to promote a more openly post-Sturgeonist line in the contest, but, I reckon, not likely to win. Had the Alba split never taken place, she or an ally might be well placed to launch a serious assault on the party machine. But the law of unintended consequences being in effect, that machine can thank Alex Salmond for lancing the boil of anti-Sturgeon feeling years ago. I can't say right now who will pick up the hollow crown dropped by Sturgeon. What I can say is that none of these candidates, nor any other personality in the party, can replace Sturgeon. None of them has Sturgeon's experience nor her total command of the party. Indeed, Sturgeon has left a grievous legacy to the SNP. She squeezed democratic life out of the party, every conference stage managed, launching policies on her bewildered party as a fait accompli, serious debates about big strategic questions are unknown to the runners and riders. They weren't in the room when the decisions were made. Add to this arrested development the factional tensions that are now so out in the open in the life of Scotland's governing political force. This is a party used to being forcefully unified from a personalist charismatic centre. In the past, unity was achieved by purges and other forms of anti-democratic chicanery. But with the Sturgeon Murrell Power Centre departing, the rigour may slip out of the machine. And this is not a short-run problem for the SNP. There's no obvious generation coming up in the party that could supply either new authority nor, just as importantly, new ideas. We've all seen the SNP's youth organisation posing with NATO flags. The purges and the moves towards the beige politics of the radical centre have destroyed the potential for a vibrant intellectual life in the party. Who on earth would be the SNP's Stephen Maxwell now? Who would provide the cerebral sustenance? the big vision for the party. Sturgeon's ideological commissars like Andrew Wilson ruled anything but their dry dogmas out of bounds. The SNP will now reap the rotten harvest 
planted by their former leader. Let me say one last thing about how Conta intends to cover this leadership race and the events thereafter. I noted at the start of this podcast that we'd predicted Sturgeon's departure. Running the risk of tooting our own horns, I'd say we predict quite a lot with a good degree of accuracy. I'd like to think those things we get wrong, we own up to. But most importantly of all, whatever you hear on these salmons or from anyone at Conta, you can be assured that those opinions are actually what we think. Surveying the Scottish media landscape in the wake of Sturgeon's departure, it was obvious to the discerning eye that plenty of people are content to say what they think is polite, what they think is politically clever in the moment, what they think meets the zeitgeist of the present, even what they think might do them favours in the coming months and years. We've been unsparingly honest about Nicola Sturgeon, about her record, and about all events in Scottish politics. We can do this because we're genuinely independent, genuinely curious, and we can only stay that way with your support. If you'd like to hear more, including things you may not agree with, but which you know we agree with, please do support us by becoming a Patreon subscriber at Patreon forward slash Contoscot. Want more like this? Subscribe to Contra Radio on our SoundCloud, iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Sign up to our regular newsletter at contra.substack.com and find great articles and more at contra.scot. We really rely on listeners like you to help us grow. In return, you get access to exclusive content and events by joining our Patreon at patreon.com forward slash contrascott.com.